Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Zach Cunningham let go by the Titans as well. Uh, the Did yeah, we talk about Zach? Zach? Zach Cunningham, we didn't talk about him this segment. Yeah, um, I, yeah Zach Cunningham's another one where I guess it depends on where his headspace is. Yeah. I think that Zach Cunningham was supposedly upset with the Texans or not happy with the environment or, or what have you. There was something he was disgruntled about or, or the Texans were disgruntled with him. Whatever it was, all of that was taking place while there was extreme dysfunction in the organization to begin with. So I don't know... I don't know how much I can blame Zach Cunningham for maybe acting up or acting out in a situation where the normal person or a, a, a mentally healthy person would be acting out. That's what I just have no clue about. So um, that I think another that's another one that comes down to, all right, Casario didn't seem to be a huge fan of Cunningham when he was here, but that was also when Jack Easterby was in the building and there was fallout from whatever else might have been going on. Um, do you revisit that? It feels like there's just... Not enough bang for the buck there. I don't think like both sides have moved on, and like whatever potential baggage or drama there is, probably not worth it. But Casario came from New England, where they they made a habit of saying goodbye to guys on high price contracts, yeah. and then welcoming them back in <laughs> yes. at, at, at a more appropriate price later on. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, who was the? There was a linebacker. Oh, Jamie Collins. They, yeah. they 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 sent him off in a trade, and then he's back there a couple years later playing for like thirty cents on the dollar. Legarrette Blunt, uh, like almost like they did it with a lot of different guys. Yeah. that would feel like they weren't they needed to go make their, their what they were worth elsewhere, or they the contract that they were on with New England was overpriced, so New England ships them out, and then like two years later they end up back there on uh, like on a prove it deal or something. Yeah, Dion Branch yeah. that happened with Dion. Dion Branch, Super Bowl MVP. They let him go, and he comes back and plays for him. Yeah, so Casario uh, has certainly been a part of it before, so maybe Cunningham does end up back here. I know that D'Amico, okay, it would be really interesting watching D'Amico with Zach Cunningham because Cunningham has always had the speed mm-hmm. to theoretically be good in coverage, but he just wouldn't play his responsibilities in coverage. It was, it was maddening to watch. Yeah. He, was like, he was so obsessed with making these huge tackles in the run game, which is awesome in 1992, but in the modern NFL, you've got to be able to cover at some point. So 
I thought when Cunningham went to Tennessee, he was a more disciplined player. I felt like they did a good job of getting him to play coverage appropriately. And and I think maybe working with D'Amico might it might be a really interesting matchup. If D'Amico could sell Cunningham on like, look, look at what we did with Greenlaw, look at what we did with Fred Warner. Would you like to be one of these guys? Yeah. Come on in and give it a whirl with us. I just get a, I have a bad taste in my mouth from Zach Cunningham. Just I, I get what you're saying about if you're in dysfunction, it's hard to judge people who are who are acting or reacting a certain way to the was, dysfunction. Yeah. Was Aaron Brockovich just a mouthy broad or was she actually, you know, doing something good? For Railing him? against a dysfunctional yeah. machine. Yes. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I understand all that. I the other thing the other thing the other glitch I have with Zach Cunningham is just how his tackle stats got thrown in our face all the time. You know what I mean? Like I Yeah. He he, he uh, maybe more than any other player, I feel like Zach Cunningham, I won't victim is probably the wrong word because he got paid. But like just as far as his style of play, he feels like a guy that got caught up in hearing about how he had thirteen tackles in a game. Yeah, and he and he would have um, sacrifice well, other parts of his game just to go get tackles. <laughs> well, when then what would always annoy me was that he also had this weird thing about like he wanted to tackle people but not go to the ground. Yes, and tackle them. Yeah, he wasn't even so a good like, form tackler. <laughs> yes, yeah, he would like stand up and kind of whirl him around. Yeah, sometimes they'd get away from him. Um, but yeah, the whole thing is like you if you're. It was frustrating because it's hard to like people don't notice what people don't typically notice when a guy isn't where he's supposed to be. This is the Kamu Grugier Hill dynamic too. Like they would notice when Kamu Grugier Hill showed up and made a tackle. What they wouldn't notice were the times where he was washed completely off the screen and like the big run went right where Kamu Grugier Hill was supposed to yes. be. Yes. So. Likewise with Cunningham, you'd be like, oh, wow, nice tackle, Cunningham. And then on the next play, you'd be uh, screaming about, how come the safety didn't come up and, and make, the, make the tackle on that tight yeah. end who was wide open over the middle? Like, well, because Cunningham was supposed to be there. Yeah. He's up at the line of scrimmage looking for another tackle for a loss instead of being back in coverage. Yes. I, I'm not, I don't know, man. Like, I'm, not, I, I'm not into bringing Zach Cunningham back. Like, to me, the only good argument is like he's probably got a house here still, so you don't have to pay to move him. Like he's probably still living here. So that sounds like a good argument for Zach Cunningham. Yeah, yeah, himself. Yeah. Like for him right, like, right. wanting to come back here, but not he knows not where all the, the restaurants are. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That'd be like yeah, like the person that goes into a job interview and and tells uh, tells the person interviewing them exactly why it'd be good for for, for them the to get the job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's why I should get this job because it's going to be awesome for me. For me, and here that's are... why you should pay me a bunch of money. Right, I'd like. Money. It's going to be awesome yeah. for me, and here are seven reasons why. Yes. Kids, kids, that's a big tip. We should get that out of the way. What's that? In a job interview or anything like that, always remember, focus on how you can be of assistance to that organization. Yes. Not what's important to you. I yeah. will take that a step your- further, and I always tell people, when you go to a job interview, have more questions ready for them than they have for you. Yeah, and really grill them on it. Yeah. Like, uh, be like, be like. Well, earlier you said this. No, what am I that, supposed kids. to make of this? Don't do yeah. that. There's gonna be one kid that thinks you're serious. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't for that one kid. Uh, did you? I really- need to know how. <laughs> I need to know how you feel about abortion now. Yeah. No, you should gamify the job interview. Like we've been talking about gamifying things today. Where'd my die go? This is why I only care. Yeah, you should have rolled it. You had some good oh, takes. You had some good takes in that segment in headlines. Oh, I got a piece of chocolate. Um, the other day, Sean, 
Because we were talking about me gamifying my life. I yeah. try to reward myself on like a one to five basis. Yeah. So when I do something good uh, or check off a box on my to-do list, I roll my die. Yeah. And I actually do it like I'm doing it on a one out of three basis. If it rolls up a one or a two, I get a little square of chocolate. Like a little treat, like a seal at, at, uh, like a seal yeah. at Waterworld or something. Yeah. Just without all the abuse, you're like a, a sophisticated version of Pavlov's dogs. Like there's but the one that, like the most. Yes, yes, exactly. I'm yeah. a dog. Yeah. And um, but the one, the funniest one is when I reward myself. If I can go through, if I go to the sh- the grocery store, yep. and I go through without buying any cookies or buying anything to eat immediately that's not so healthy, I get rewarded with a tiny square of chocolate. <laughs> What? <laughs> I made it through the grocery store without buying any cookies, and I rewarded myself yes. with a sleeve of cookies. Yeah, no, not a sleeve, a small just, oh, square, just a small square of a chocolate. small square of chocolate. Okay, it's like as long as I don't, if I don't eat a cupcake, I'm rewarded with a small square a small, of chocolate, a smaller, yes, a tiny little square. Like you understand, a little yeah. square, like out of a of a chocolate bar, like a one eighth of a piece of a chocolate bar. Are yeah. you concerned at all? Because I've been with you before in post show meetings where our old boss had a dish full of candy there, yeah, of, of chocolate, small mini Halloween sized chocolate bars, yeah. And there would be meetings we would walk out of there, and there would be a pile of fifteen wrappers on the table. Right. Are you worried about the small square of chocolate being a gateway potentially to other? No, things? no, 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 no. Because if I eat the entire bar of chocolate. I don't get the reward for not eating the entire bar of chocolate, which is a small square of chocolate. I got you. Sean, I would never deprive myself of that small square of chocolate by eating the entire bar of chocolate. like Inception. That would be asinine. (laughs) No, you're right. That would be stupid. (laughs) I love this system, But it's 100% true. It works. It's true. My mouth is watering. As I'm, like, going past the cupcakes and everything, my mouth is watering, right. thinking about that tiny square of chocolate I'm going to get if I if I just make it through. And honestly, Sean, the 33% chance that I'm going to get a tiny square yeah, of chocolate. Yeah, that's the thing. Because after be... I go out, I have to roll the die and see if I get rewarded for, for avoiding all of the cupcakes and the, everything. It's for me, the gambler on this show, the rolling of the die would be the fun part for me. I'm like, yeah. you're telling me? You're telling me the odds are plus 200 <laughs> that I could get one of these things? Yes. <laughs> yeah. You don't get, Let's you roll. Don't even get to, you don't even get to do the play the game if you eat the square of chocolate, or if you eat the, the cupcakes. Yeah, but yeah. You don't even get to play the game. They're, they're pulling you away from the slot machine. Right, right. I, I love the game as much as the reward. Boy, exactly. this system could really work for me. That's the way dopamine works. Yeah. It's the, like dopamine isn't the reward itself necessarily. It's, uh, it's anticipating and then completing or achieving a goal or getting a prize or something. Like, like it's all wrapped up in it, so it's a uh, so the actual like looking forward to the game itself, not even the reward is is part of it. Yeah. <laughs> text message, trailer wheel and frame text page, eight two zero nine. I remember this story. Andy Reid tried this with Mister Goodbars. David Cully was zero help. Remember that story that Cully told about. Andy Reid just mowing down Mister Goodbars in his office. <laughs> oh, that's right. Well, what, what Reid was like allowed like one. Every now and then. Oh, just having good. He was. Which? What, what did he try? I what think. Did, he, no. I think I, Andy Reid used to like Mr. Goodbars. Cully would tell a story about how Andy Reid would just mow down. Just, oh, oh, okay. just, just like just, just uh, piles and piles of Mr. Goodbars oh, okay. while they were sitting in meetings. You said Andy Reid tried this. I thought you meant he tried the gamifying. I, I, I think. I think the. I think out. the okay. texter sarcastically saying he tried it. Uh, yeah. He tried the, the gamifying of it. All right. Um, what kind of chocolate? Someone wants to know. Um, it's like 
like the seventy-two percent dark chocolate. Oh, okay. Uh, my wife gets it from Thrive Market. Okay. Because I used to eat these Who bars, H U, that are freaking awesome. Yeah. They're like five bucks a bar. Yeah, yeah. So my wife found pricey. one that, that, and I tried, and they're good. Like they're they're good. Yep, they're good. And I was trying some of the other bars, and they weren't as good. But my wife found these ones on Thrive Market. They're like two bucks a bar for the same deal. One of the stories D'Amico Ryan shared. Which, it is. That's the other thing, though, Sean. Yeah. Too. It's dark chocolate. So yeah. basically, I'm fighting cancer. Right. So, I was going to say that's, that's one of my other little rewards. Isn't that the one that people rationalize as being super nutritious? The dark chocolate. It is within reason. Within if reason. you don't, yeah, if you don't overindulge, but yeah, you got all kinds of antioxidants and flavonoids and everything. Okay. Polyphenols. Flavonoids. All right. All right. Sorry, I'm just trying to avoid cancer. Yeah. If, if if you don't want me eating seven chocolate bars a day, then so be it. No, I want you to avoid cancer. Clearly. <laughs> um, so, uh, D'Amico Ryan's told a story during his introductory press conference that made me very optimistic about he and Nick Casario working together. We have corroboration of this story from somebody else who was in the room with San Francisco. This is pretty cool, hearing this story from both D'Amico's angle and a former coworker. That's next. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Sports Radio 610 presents... Payne and Pendergast. All right, a couple things. We'll be at spring training starting on Sunday we get there. We'll be broadcasting all week long from West Palm Beach. Big thanks to Shoppa's John Deere for uh, sending us to spring training down in uh, West Palm Beach. Uh, also, Kenny Chesney tickets uh, a little later on in the show. Is it still Chesney tickets in the 9 o'clock there, Ben? Yes, it is. There we go. Yeah, Kenny Chesney. Four-pack of tickets, that'll be in the 9 o'clock hour, so be listening. Uh, rodeo is here. It's going to be fun. Cook-off starts tonight. Going to be great. Um, D'Amico Ryans, remember this story? This was the story. This was my favorite anecdote from D'Amico Ryans coming out of his introductory press conference because I thought it was a real window into how he works, how he will work with, with Nick Casario. Any concern about a defensive guy coming in and trying to steer things and strong-arm you know, defensive guys ahead of offensive guys in the draft, stuff like that. Um, D'Amico shared this anecdote of his time, his first year as a defensive coordinator in San Francisco when he was in the San Francisco war room. 
it's me being in the draft room for the for my first year as a defensive coordinator, right? And I'm looking there, and I'm a former linebacker, and man, I want to get some backers. I want to get this is my first draft. I want to draft some linebackers, and you know we're at a point in the draft sixth round where we're there, and there are like two linebackers there on the draft board for us, and I'm I'm like ah, I really want a linebacker, but I also know right that do we is this the right thing for our team, right? So we look at a highlight tape. Just pop this running back up, and it's Elijah Mitchell. Right, they pop his highlight tape up, and we're, I'm watching him, and I'm like, wow, man, this dude is fast. This dude can help us. Right? I know I want the linebacker selfishly, but I see a running back who can truly help our team. And so I say, Kyle, let's take the running back. Right? And that's what I've learned about being in this position. It's not about egos. It's not about being selfish. It's about doing the right things for the team. And we do the right things for the team. That's how you build a successful program. It was a good story. I'm still trying to figure out who the linebacker was that he was looking at because it's the 194th pick was Elijah Mitchell in that draft, and there's not a linebacker taken over like the next probably, 30 yeah. picks. You know, so I mean, it might have been somebody that went. You know, at that point, sixth and seventh round, uh, a lot of guys that are undrafted free agents are just as good, obviously. Yeah, no, it's very random at that stage. Round. No doubt. So, um, but or, or or no, let's look at it this way, uh, D'Amico. In, in being team-oriented, avoided a mistake of recommending, a, I don't know, some linebacker who obviously didn't deserve to get drafted in the sixth or seventh round because he saw that Elijah Mitchell was the right guy. I thought the notable thing about that, I was actually surprised that I didn't, I didn't hear anybody talk about this, and maybe somebody did and I just didn't hear it or see it, obviously, but was um, the fact that they were putting up highlight tapes of a player, apparently while they were trying to make decisions about it. Yeah. And I, I think the important thing there is, with scouts and personnel people, it does seem just from from conversations that they're always like they're always trying to you know be be honest with themselves about like okay, am I overthinking this? Am I uh, because so often when they start hyper analyzing things, they they go down some road and they make a decision that actually doesn't feel like a good gut decision. A lot of times they pay for it in the end. So I think I think a lot of times with the highlight reels they'll show of guys, it's like one last chance to kind of get in touch with like, all right, how do I really feel about this guy? What do I remember about it that like is that that might I might feel differently about him compared to this other guy? Uh, so it's it's still I, it, there's still art to it, I suppose. You know, as much as science, it's like it's it's just an incredibly random thing to try to predict which one of these guys are going to be good NFL players. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and you're trying to do it across positions. Like obviously at least and this is my uneducated. eye. like, yeah, a running back would pop more on a highlight reel for me than if That's you're trying true. to compare him yeah. to interior linemen and things like yeah. it's, it's a really hard thing to do to quantify what it is you're looking at there on the film. You know, the highlight reel is, uh, I, but that part of it, where I am a little bit skeptical of it too, is like, man, highlight reels are really deceptive. <laughs> like, you just—that's why I refuse to watch anything except highlight reels this time of year. Yeah. Uh, when it, once guys are drafted, I don't want to watch their downsides. No. If I if I'm doing like an article or a podcast episode about it or something, like, I just want give me a couple months to get super excited about all the stuff he can. Totally. Do. Don't tell me about the stuff he can't that's do. That's right. That's right. Don't, me, don't tell me about the time that he he actually ran in the wrong direction and uh, you know uh, started crying on the sideline or something i don't need to, i don't need any of that just show me the highlights um ran carthen is the gm for the tennessee titans he was with the 49ers in that war room when that 
story happened that D'Amico just told. I thought this was pretty cool yesterday. Um, this was a Rand Carthon press conference. Of course, the Titans were busy yesterday cutting a bunch of guys. Um, this was his anecdote or his version of what happened with what D'Amico was talking about. Demetrius Washington, he's the uh, VP of Ops for Minnesota. He ran our um, analytics department after Kwesi left. Uh, he does his metrics, you know, to find, you know, all his guys. So he comes to me. He has a running back. And he's like, man, my numbers are telling me this is the best outside zone running running back in the draft. He was like, but I'm not walking in there with Kyle with just this paper to say that. Can you watch this guy and see if you can confirm what my what the tape saw? And I watched the tape. That was my first exposure to the player. And I agreed with him. And then that player ended up being Elijah Mitchell that we took in the sixth round, which last year, if we don't have Elijah, we don't go on the run that we went on. And even added to that story uh D'Amico Ryans it was his first year as D coordinator and that round that pick was going to be his linebacker and D'Amico some kind of when he came in the draft room Elijah's tape was on and he was watching Elijah and he called Johnny Holland our linebacker coach up and was like coach this running back is better than the linebacker we're going to pick and so we shifted from taking a linebacker and took Elijah. And it just kind of shows to the collaboration of how that whole operation worked. Um, you know, I think uh, as far as, like, identifying an outside zone runner, yeah, like that part of it, okay, if I'm going to be super optimistic about him, so you see clearly there D'Amico Ryans knows the Coop Shanistani system, and he can identify those things. I, and I would I would say that kind of jokingly, except that there is something about identifying it. Like I, I would say, like as a defensive player, I I actually tended to have pretty good games against teams like a Coop Shanistani system, even though like uh, I I hated going against them because they're still effective. But part of it is that there's a certain rhythm to an outside zone play and to when the cutback is and to what the read is by the by the running back mm-hmm. and. Guys who are really good in it, good in those systems, kind of like Arian Foster, they play with a certain rhythm and a certain understanding of the game that, and just a certain feel for the flow of the defense that's hard to just measure or put in a scouting report. Um, it's more than just vision, and it's one of those things that you know it when you see it. And like, so as a defensive player, you're kind of like, you're getting into the rhythm of each specific play, and there's almost a beat to when the cutback would be. Like, if there's going to be a cutback, it's going to be the bump, ba bump, ba bump, cutback. Yeah. And that's when you throw your guy and you come back and you tackle the running back. Um, and so, like, I think that's something that D'Amico's in tune with, like that kind of stuff. Like, he's, he's studied offenses and he understands that part of it, maybe on a higher level than what the numbers show or, um, or anything else. That's interesting. And the first question that pops into my head as a Texan fan, because you just laid out kind of how that whole thing works, um, the Kubshana stand, the, the rhythm to the running game. My, my big question that I have as a Texan fan is, what does your early read tell you on Damian Pierce and how he fits into something like that? I... <laughs> I'm going to wait and see. Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, your pause, your pause says it all right there. Yeah. I, you know what? It, that would be interesting, too. Um, uh, I, yeah, sometimes I feel like he might be a hammer where you need a screwdriver, but yeah. it's not like all they do is run outside zone. 
Uh, with, I think he had no choice but to be a hammer last year. At yeah, times. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, he did yeah, have yeah. some runs where he would kind of cut back against the grain and, he and showed some vision. He was slow. His vision wasn't as good early on in the regular season as that I thought it would be. Yep. I thought that he had showed some really good vision um, in the preseason, and then and then it kind of left him. But now some of that might just be adjusting to the speed of the game. Some of it might be. Uh, you know, the inadequate run blocking, obviously, and the fact that they're just um, – it was a different style. It was a different style that Pep Hamilton was going to have than, than – uh, I was almost going to say Kyle Shanahan – than um, Slowick will have. Right. So, um, I, like, so I honestly, I can't tell you right now. Yeah. It's just – it's, it's going to be a different – they're going to be asking different things. Yep, it. yep. Um, the other interesting part of that cut from uh, Rand Carthon, talking about his view of the whole Elijah Mitchell drafting – was the part that D'Amico didn't tell, which is they were going to take a linebacker there. They, that was, that pick was almost reserved for a linebacker. D'Amico said that, but having to get on the phone and call Johnny Holland, the linebacker's coach, to say we're not taking a linebacker. I wonder how those conversations go. You know what I mean? Like Johnny Holland is probably thinking, oh, good, I'm going to get a young guy here. And then all of a sudden, running backs coach gets my guy right there. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. There's only so many draft picks, and you're vying for some of them there. Yeah, yeah. It's granted, it's the sixth round, like you said. We're we're into the random phase at that point, but still, that's the phase in the that's the the part of the draft when you're asking position coaches who do you want, and uh, you know that'll be boy. That was remember the story of the Jets. And like, okay, you could say it doesn't matter, but at the same time, one of the things that kind of, it seems to be that it was a point where things kind of started going south for Rex Ryan with the Jets was when they used that sixth round pick on the receiver that was a college teammate of Mark Sanchez. Um, I'm blanking on his oh, name right Joe now. Oh, Joe McKnight. Yeah. Yeah. And was it Joe McKnight? I think it was, was Joe it, McKnight. Yeah. Scott McKnight. Uh, so, so, but he was like basically almost bought as a binky for Mark Sanchez when a lot of the personnel people wanted to go in another direction and they had somebody they actually wanted. Rex Ryan was uh, Rex Ryan felt like he owed it to Mark Sanchez because he had told Mark Sanchez that he would take McKnight if he had a chance. Yeah, and, um, McKnight was a fourth rounder out of USC, but he's the first oh, was one. It to fourth pop. round, okay, fourth yeah. Round. yeah, there okay, might have been well, another guy. I'm just looking up. Joe no, McKnight no, no, was that's the, the part. No, that's it was McKnight, and okay, so fourth round makes a lot of sense then because yeah, yeah. it would be one thing if it was the sixth or seventh rounder doing it in the fourth round. That's when. That's when guy. There's guys out there that you really, really want. Like, no, we gotta have this guy. He's there. Let's take him. Yeah. And basically, to be nice to the immature quarterback, Mark Sanchez, Rex Ryan took McNutt. They got that him was, a binky okay. in the fourth round. Okay, it makes a lot of sense that it was that it caused some angst in the fourth. Yeah, round. fourth is you know guys. Yeah, guys can play in the fourth, man. No yeah. doubt. All well, right, I mean, so can guys in the sixth and seventh. It's no, just, no question. A, there's yeah. a different attitude and projection of. Yeah, it. yeah. No, the percentage is higher in the fourth. There's no doubt. Um. All right. Um. XFL. Were you watching the XFL this weekend? Because the numbers say that some of you might be lying if you're saying yes. Also, three things that I that that I want to after this first weekend, I think the NFL needs to hijack. Well, I say hijack. They got a relationship with the XFL. These are things they need to steal from the XFL. That is next. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. 
Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. All right, so the curiosity bump that the XFL was probably hoping for in week one, XFL 3.0, by the way. This is the third version. This is the one that is owned by Dwayne The Rock Johnson and other investors. They started up this past weekend, including a big win for the Wade Phillips-led Houston Roughnecks, 33-12 to over the Orlando Guardians over at TDECU Stadium. Um the viewership, Seth, for this version of the XFL uh, via sportsmediawatch.com, the four XFL games televised by ABC slash ESPN over this past weekend had a drop in viewership of at least 50% from the same windows back in 2020 when XFL 2.0 started up. And if you're wondering, okay, 50% from what, um, the... 3.3 million viewers who tuned into the first game back in February of 2020 is the answer to that. That was the benchmark. Um, 3.3 million for the very first XFL game. That was the number back in 2020. And the first XFL game this time around was 54% below that. So somewhere somewhere around 1.5 million, 1.57 million viewers, a 54% drop in that first game. Now, the first game was a an afternoon game on Saturday, whereas the first game back in 2020 was a night game. But that's still a pretty substantial gap between a, the two. It's a gap. I guess the big question is, okay, I mean, what is their what's their break even point? Yeah. Um. What is like what are the economics of a league like this? Football. One of the reasons football has always been very tricky is that you have there's just so many damn people involved you know um and they tend to get injured too so at least with well and you know minor league baseball is actually pretty tricky too if you don't have the support of a major league franchise and that's why there's been some contraction in the last few years it's it's not that easy to make money with minor league anything you got to bust your butt off to do it so with the XFL if you're if you could consistently draw a million on TV i'm guessing there's a way to make that work. I mean, Big 12 football averages about a million viewers yeah. across the – I think if you separate Texas and, and some of that element to it, like they, they make it go, but they also obviously have huge attendance and, and other revenue coming in. But that's – like they, they make – they're, they're cash flow positive, and they pay a coach, you know, anywhere from 2 to $5 million or whatever. Yeah. So I – I, I feel like if they could sustain these levels, then it might that'll probably work out. But I just don't know if it's gonna how much it's gonna drop off those opening week numbers. Yeah, that'll be the big question. Like, what's what was the because every year those that three point three million from the first week of twenty twenty turned into one million and something within a couple of weeks. Like the, the, with these spring leagues, the trend has been they pop 
better than expected numbers the first week, but then you learn that okay, well that's you get a lot of curious people tuning in. Yeah, you know what what is the curiosity bump down? You know, because I don't think the numbers are going to go up from this from one point five seven or whatever it was, and then the Houston game and others were a little over a million. You know, they were anywhere. Seemed like all the games were anywhere between one and one point five something million. It's like the um, the last time before COVID cut it short. Because those numbers, too, I think my first thought initially was like, well, yeah, the numbers were higher because everybody's stuck at home. But then I remember, no, the games, it started and then COVID, COVID killed the everything. league. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. COVID actually um, killed the league. Yeah, I don't know. The, the fact that The Rock is involved and he seems to be doing things in a first-class manner is almost a bad sign in some ways just because I don't think you can keep flying first-class uh, in, a, in a minor league football uh, situation. It, they might end up being subsidized by the NFL to a certain degree, and maybe that matters. But like, I was just thinking about the Rock. The Rock made it to every game. Yeah, which I'm just adding up like the private air travel and how much that costs. Like that's not that's that's probably not sustained by the revenue they made off of week one. So that's like obviously very much a promotional thing uh, early on in the early on in the season. At some point, does it? Do they have to start cutting back on some of those, or does it? justify it because you're probably I mean you're, you're not paying the players a ton but you got you got 50, 40 50 60 guys you got to pay on each of these teams yeah no they're I think they're paying I think I saw 50 grand as a number for non-quarterbacks and then quarterbacks have a different salary scale yeah. and then guys and then as has been the case with each version of the XFL teams that win get paid more which I think yeah. is cool. I think that's yeah. a, you know that's kind of a cool thing. That's what the pan, that's all the fan could ask for, right? It's like, yeah, oh, hey, make it like, hey, if I'm gambling on this game, I want the guys that are that are playing it to have something on the line too. Right. I, I do like that part of it. No tanking in the XFL, baby. <laughs> I don't know why the NFLPA would be. It doesn't seem, or maybe it's just individual players just don't like that putting in their contract. I would, I wouldn't mind at all. And I'm saying this as a former player. That if the CBA, if the next collective bargaining agreement had some pool that was specific victory money, like that at least like like five percent of your salary is going to be based on winning or losing football games. Like there's an extra, yeah, yeah, you're making a million a year, but to earn that fifty thousand, you would have to actually win, you know, at least a certain number of games. You some, know what? Uh, whatever the formula is. You know what that would do is it would, it would almost completely. Nothing's ever complete. It would almost completely squash all the stuff we had to listen to in Week 18 this year on why it was oh, so stupid the, uh... that the Texans won the game. Or boy, Lovey really yeah. stuck it to him on the way out, even yeah. though the team wanted him to win the game. Um, if you had a pool of money, especially in the last month of the season, you know, specifically, uh, if you had a pool of money that players earned because they're on the winning side of things, then you can't, you can no longer have these conversations about well, they should just go out and lose this game. Like, no, the players. And as you pointed out many times, Seth, like the players are going to try. No, none of these players are tanking so that you can get Bryce Young in the draft. None of them, zero yeah. on the field, are tanking well, they, to get Bryce Young. They also like in Major League Baseball and with the NFL. I don't know if they do it in basketball, but you have like also these. Um, in baseball, it's a pre-arbitration bonus. In football, it's for guys on their rookie contracts or mm -hmm. guys making the minimum salary. If you if you play above your pay grade, basically, you actually do get a bonus for that, which that part's cool. Yeah. But it's still not based on team success. It's based on your own individual. If you're on a bad team, you're rewarded for being a rookie on a bad team. Yeah. Oh, I, got to, I got to start 16 games, and I get an extra 300000 Dude, yeah. Jalen Petrie's going to crush it when, that, when that, uh, that bonus check comes for guys on their rookie deal. Yeah, that's the uh, 
that the amount it, they started that off. I remember when I I want to say it was when I was playing, but it it escalated way above. It was like a relative, like nice little nice little stocking stuffer back when they first started off, and now it's turned into some serious money. Well, dude, like Shiloh Ko got a six figure check his rookie year. Yeah, like that, dude. That's not bad, man. <laughs> Especially if you're a guy, if you're an undrafted rookie free agent, and you yeah. don't even know if you're going to make it in the league, right? And you're just you're just happy to be making whatever you're making. Yeah. Then all of a sudden. In February, you get a check. Like, think about it. And if, you know, I don't know how much it's based on like performance, like how big an impact you had or just participation, like how many snaps you played. Cause a guy like Kurt Heinish is probably going to get a pretty fat check for, yeah. I mean, he played like half the snaps for the Texans this year. He's an undrafted free agent on the defensive line. Um, things that I would like to steal from the XFL very quickly here. Um, I love the one, two and three point conversions. Where two yard line is a one point conversion, uh, five yard line is a two point conversion, ten yard line is a three point conversion. You run a play like a two point conversion in the NFL. I like I feel that. Like, you know, that's the right kind of gimmick. It's still based in football stuff, right? You know, yeah. There's not a clown's head at the end zone where you got to kick the ball <laughs> through or something it, like that. And it makes the endings of games potentially way more exciting. You know, um, there's a there's a realistic way for a team to overcome uh, a, a a bigger deficit and yeah, all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Comebacks are great. Uh, the transparency of the review process is really cool, where you can That's listen good. to, I guess it would be Dean Blandino that was doing this on the broadcast. I don't know. You you can hear Mission Control for the XFL reviewing plays that are challenged, and I think that's I think that level of transparency is very very good. That's the kind of thing, too. This is something that Major League Baseball umpires need to hear because baseball umpires seem to not want the crowd to know a damn thing about how any anything has changed um, during the game. When, no, the explanation and seeing the process, I think, would actually lead to less criticism. Absolutely. Because uh, the, the, the official comes out, he gives, like, a – a seven-word explanation, and then on you go, where I think if they could see exactly what they're struggling with, and you might still disagree with them, but you could see, like, okay, that actually that actually makes sense. I understand where he's coming from. Um, I, yeah, I think that would actually help the NFL. They should adopt that. I do. Yeah, no, I love it's, it's really entertaining. It's really informative. All right, Peyton Pendergast with you. 9 o'clock hour coming up. We're going to be giving away rodeo tickets sometime in the 9 o'clock hour for you to see Kenny Chesney, four-pack of tickets, to get out to NRG Stadium on March 15th and see him. Also, a reminder, uh, we have one day left here in studio, and then we are off to West Palm Beach for spring training, brought to you by Shoppa's John Deere, sending us down to spring training in West Palm Beach starting on uh, Sunday, broadcast starting on Monday. Can't wait for that. It's going to be awesome. Good coverage for you next week here on your Strohs here on Sports Radio 610. Up next, Netflix has a docuseries that they are going to be dropping here soon on NFL quarterbacks. Did they pick the right three to mic up for an entire season? And I've got five that I would have replaced them with. That is next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? Bow, bow, bow. 
and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.